It's really a joy to come back to Life Church. Some of you might remember me. I was here, I forget how long ago. Anybody remember me? Ah, oh, there are a couple of hands that went up. What a joy it is to be back. We miss Pastor Ryan. He's having a wonderful time in San Antonio. Um, and it is so good to see all of you. It is really wonderful to know Jesus, isn't it? What a privilege it is to know him, to serve him. Um, Grace International, that's the larger family that we are part of. Uh, we have hundreds and hundreds of churches all across the globe. So this is part of that family. Uh, we have churches in Africa. We have churches in Asia. We have churches in Europe. We have churches in Latin America, around the world. And I'm privileged to serve as the Director of International Ministries for Grace International. And I'd like you to pray for our missionaries. We have a number of missionaries, both expatriates and nationals, serving the Lord all across the globe. I'm originally from India. I'm a real Indian. See, I'm a real Indian. You know, you, you folks call Native Americans Indians, don't you? You know, by the way, do you know how, God they, how they got the name Indians? How many know how they got their name Indians? Only a couple of you. Well, may I tell you how they got the name Indians? And this is the truth. You see, Columbus, you know him? Okay. He was trying to discover a new... He was trying to go to India. He found out the world is round. In those days they had... India was very wealthy. We had a lot of gold and diamond and all kinds of things. So all the Europeans wanted to trade with us. So they had to sail down Africa, then up Africa all the way. Columbus said, hey, world is round. I'll discover a new way to get to India. And he sailed west. He had no idea there was a whole continent in between. So he accidentally discovers America. It's the truth. If it weren't for India, America may not be discovered yet. <laughs> and he meets these people. He thought he landed in India. So he calls them Indians. 500 some years later, we still make the same mistake. We should call them Americans. I said this in a church in Phoenix a number of years ago, fairly large church. And as soon as I said this, a lady stood up over there. I looked at her. I could tell she was Native American. I thought maybe I offended her. But she had this beautiful smile. She lifted her hands up and she shouted at the top of her voice, Praise the Lord. I'm so glad he was not looking for Turkey. Really happened, really happened. At the end of the service, we, you know, I met her and we became friends. And she told me that's a common joke among the Native Americans. Thank God Columbus was not looking for... Well, I'm really a real Indian and come from India. We, my wife and I came to this country as a very young couple. We lived in Minneapolis. Then we moved to California. We worked here for a number of years. Then the Lord called us back to India. While I was here in California, I became part of Grace International. I served in one of the churches. And uh, for the last 25 years, we have been serving in India. And God is doing some amazing things through Grace International all across the world. Um, uh, Lord willing, later this month, I'll be in Trinidad 
uh, speaking in our Grace International Convention in Trinidad. And then the following month, I'll be in South Africa speaking for our churches there. Then I'll be back to India. Uh, it's amazing to see what God is doing all over the world. I just want to show you a little bit of what is happening in India uh, through uh, the seminary that God helped us to start. I'm showing you this so you will pray um, and, and, and come to India. We would love to have you come. If you come, we'll give you the best chicken curry in the world. Anybody like chicken curry? Yeah, there are several hands that are going up. Let's see a video for just a few minutes, uh, and then I'll come back and, and share from God's Word. Walk the campus of any Christian college or seminary today, and it is likely you are looking at a miracle of God's provision. New Theological College in Dehradun, India, is no exception. Leaving the staff of World Vision in 1986, and traveling to North India to train, send out, and support large numbers of national Christians to reach its thousands of villages with the gospel is a venture tailor-made for miracles. What God has built from it today is a thriving Bible college and seminary whose award-winning graduates time and again choose to leave the extended path of academia and head out into pioneer church planting in some of India's most formidable places. So it's a great joy to see that many of our graduates are working in some of these very dark places, spiritually very dark and under the bondage. And the Lord is using them. They are penetrating into many of these areas. And uh, so many hundreds of people are coming to the Lord in these days. That's a great joy to see. Many of the faculty themselves came as experienced cross-cultural missionaries to the north. And today they plant a keen burden for mission in the hearts of these students who come from all over the country. Courses of study range from certificate biblical studies programs taught in native languages up through academically rigorous master's degrees. A number of new programs are on the drawing board as well, including added emphasis on worship, music, and linguistics. But all students also spend significant time every week directly participating in evangelistic and discipleship ministries off campus. From its inception, the college has focused strongly on personal spiritual vitality and growth among its students. One thing that I feel is very special about NTC is that along with theological thinking and theological discourse, there is a great emphasis on developing spirituality. A superior academic theological preparation alone will fall far short of the demands facing those who would carry the gospel into the dense darkness of an India that is soaked through with Eastern religions. So the task before us as theological teachers in India is to equip many more young men and women to be effective witnesses of the Lord and the gospel of Jesus Christ in this ever-changing, complicated situation of our nation. I want to work as a Bible teacher and an evangelist wherever God sends me. All glory and honor belongs to God. A student body of almost 300 represent a cross-section of India's social strata and also of church denominations. Many come from economically challenged families so that even with carefully controlled tuition costs, the college must subsidize their education. But one condition for enrollment is that each student must give evidence of a specific calling to the Christian ministry. This means the challenge to prepare these students well 
is a very serious one. It calls for a godly and committed faculty and staff. It calls for a sustaining depth and quality in a steadily growing range of programs of study. It calls for good stewardship and broad outside support to provide everything that is needed for its 25-acre campus, from buildings to books. And all of these, in turn, depend fully on the manifest blessing of God. For the last uh, 20 years, the Lord's faithfulness has been quite evident in the way He blessed us. And through this college, blessed the church at large in North India. I've had the great privilege of being a part of the ministry of the New Theological College for the last 22 years. And I want to tell you there's three reasons why I believe you should support this ministry and do it with great excitement and enthusiasm. First of all, George has never lost his enthusiasm about bringing people to Jesus Christ. He believes that the harvest is ripe in India. It's a great uh, ministry to be part of because they are looking for people to respond to Christ and seeing it every day. Secondly, George in the ministry of the school has brought together both intellectual learning, academic formation, and spiritual formation in a way that's really unparalleled in education today. Students who come there not only learn what they need to learn, but they also are being formed and shaped spiritually, preparing them for a lifetime of ministry. Thirdly, George, in the ministry of NTC, has connected the seminary with church planting in a way that's very, very vibrant. This church and the school work together to train people and to go forth and plant churches in India. Today, over 600 churches have been planted through the graduates of New Theological College. So if you want to invest in a ministry that's making a great impact on one of the most amazing and important mission fields in the world today, then I encourage you to give to the ministry of the New Theological College. Preparing young people who will pour their lives into reaching India city by city and village by village is the core ministry of Good News for India. And this is still one of the most strategic investment opportunities available in Indian missions today. But of course, after the training, there is the sending and the supporting. And these direct contacts with the work in the field have drawn Good News for India into ministering to a diverse array of needs among India's 1.4 billion people. The vision God gave to George and Leela Shavani Kamenel to train laborers for the Indian harvest has grown far beyond what they could even dream of. Today, the ministry of Good News for India includes the Christian Evangelistic Assembly's rapidly growing network of over 600 churches, plus church planting teams laboring in many of the most strongly resistant parts of India. It includes 12 regional training centers conducting Bible school training among grassroots young believers in their native Hindi language and sending out an additional 50 to 60 evangelists and church planters every year into local villages. It includes seven Christian schools among some of the neediest people in India, providing a very good education where most often there is none. Administered and taught largely by NTC and training center graduates, and providing contact with families who otherwise would be carefully shielded from the gospel. It includes developing music for the Indian church, with formal training for pastors and worship leaders, committing Indian praise music to written notation and recording, and producing new music in Indian forms. 
It includes orphanages and day and residential programs for ragged children who roam the streets of every city in India, living unimaginable lives that can often end before they even reach their teens. And it includes special ministries to women, trapped by the cycle of poverty in the slums of India's cities and poor rural villages, for whom a chance to gain literacy and a skill such as tailoring opens a door for employment and for contact with Christian women through which many have come to the Lord. Seeing what God is doing in India today is simply amazing, but then He is our amazing and all-powerful God, whose passion is to reconcile men everywhere to Himself. And He is also our faithful Jehovah Jireh, our provider, through the prayers and gifts of His people, both in India and abroad. Well, I hope that gave you a little glimpse of India. Do you know India is the largest English-speaking country in the world? I bet you didn't know that. We are the largest English-speaking country in the world. That's why these days when you dial an 800 number, guess where your phone is answered. We don't speak like you all speak. We have an accent, you don't have an accent. But that's a great gift that Britain gave us. We were a colony of England for over 200 years. That's another thing that is common between America and India. And we got our independence in 1947 and they unite, they, they gave us English, the great gift. We have over 450 languages in India. I'll speak a little bit about that in a bit, but English is kind of our common language and we are the largest English speaking country in the world. I'm not joking, that's the truth. Um, educated people in India. All, almost all of them will speak some English. Alright, turn in your Bible to Matthew's Gospel. How many of you have your Bibles with you? Ah, many of you. Turn in your Bible to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. I will share from God's Word and talk a little bit about missions today. That is my primary assignment. Matthew 24. Very relevant passage these days. As we hear about earthquakes all around the world. As we hear about wars around the world. Don't forget, Jesus told us about this long time ago. Matthew 24, beginning at 3. I'll first read from 3 to 14 and then we will meditate on that passage for a few minutes. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, His disciples came to Him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming that I am Christ, and will deceive many. It's happening all around us. And Islam is one of the clearest examples of it. Deceiving many. You will hear of wars and rumors of war. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation. And kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over. To be persecuted and put to death. Do you know more Christians have been killed 
for their faith in the 20th century, listen to me carefully, more Christians have been killed for their faith in 20th century than all the previous 19th centuries combined? That's a fact. That's a fact. But we don't really. We read Fox's Book of Martyrs. How many have read the Fox's Book of Martyrs? Some of you have. And we think persecution and killing of Christians stopped a long time ago. Last year in India, in 2008, December and January, 2008, December and 2009, January, hundreds of Christians were killed in India simply because they were Christians. Hundreds of homes were burned down simply because they were Christian homes, including some of our own believers, Grace International believers. One of our pastors and his wife and children barely escaped with their life, lost everything. It's a newsletter up there in the front. I hope some of you will take the copy and read while we are trying about what we are trying to do to uh, to rehabilitate some of these families. American Christians are blissfully ignorant about these things. Today, today, people are persecuted for their faith all over the globe, primarily in Islamic countries. In Islamic countries, there is absolutely no freedom for Christians. And we are ignorant about it. I don't have time to go into it. But Jesus told us that. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. False prophets just such as Joseph Smith. I'm not afraid to speak out for the truth. It's false prophets. Presenting a false gospel. False prophets such as Muhammad. Presenting a completely different picture about Jesus. How many of us know the truth? How many of us study the word of God? How many of us take it seriously? Sorry to say, very few of us. Just two months ago, I was in a part of India called Bihar. Which is the northern part of India. I was worshipping with a people group. That was never reached with the gospel. We Grace International now. We have a few churches among them. After the worship was over. An elderly couple walked up to me. And was talking to me. She was crying. The woman was crying. The man was sorrowful. But he was not crying. And I asked her why she was crying. She told me because we follow Jesus. They took away. Our harvest field. They took away. Our privilege. Collect water from the village well. I lost everything. They are telling me if I will deny Jesus, they will give me back my land. Hearing, seeing them talking to me, the pastor came running to me and explained to me the whole context. These are brand new believers, Hindus, who have come to Jesus. And because they took baptism, and because they have become believers in Jesus, the village government, called Panchayat, took away the privilege they had. May I ask you this morning, if you will lose your home because you are a follower of Jesus, how many will still follow Jesus? 
If you lose your everything you have, simply because you're a follower of Christ, how many of us will follow Him? I hope all of you are raising your hands will really do it. The pastor asked this woman a question. This is a lady in her mid-60s. She asked her, he asked her this question, and she's an ignorant, illiterate, poor woman. Pastor asked him this question, which is more important for you, your harvest or Jesus? And without batting an eye, this illiterate poor woman said, Jesus. You see, she lost everything because she has followed Jesus. Listen, that's happening around the world today. And our Lord told us that it will happen. But at the same time, He also said many will turn away from the faith. When problems come, when persecution comes. Because, verse 12, because of the increase of the wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. I don't need to tell you wickedness is increasing around the world. Do I? I don't need to tell you. Sometimes I feel like I'm not from this planet. I feel like I'm from somewhere else. When I see what's happening all around us. People justifying all kinds of behavior in the name of freedom. I mean, can you believe that in the 21st century, in a civilized country like America, there can exist a group that calls themselves Man, Boy, Love Society? Can you imagine that exists? And the government can do nothing to shut it down. You know it better than I do. Wickedness is increasing. That which is that which is that which ought to be called wickedness is elevated and public parades are conducted all over this country. We live in a time in which wickedness is increasing. And because of that the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Did you hear that? You know, the Bible doesn't say if you just lift your hand in a Billy Graham crusade, you will be saved. Bible says if you stand firm till the end, you will be saved. Oh, I'm not putting down the importance of lifting your hands and making a decision. But that's only the beginning. That's only the beginning. Standing firm till the end. Are you standing firm today? If something happens to you today, where will you be? Are you ready? Verse 14. And, the, and this gospel of the kingdom. Listen to this. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. If you don't know Matthew 24, 14 by heart, may I encourage you to learn it by heart today? If you haven't underlined it in your Bible, may I encourage you to underline it in your Bible today? These are the words of my Lord Jesus Himself. These are not the words of someone else. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Himself. And He says, and this gospel of the kingdom will preach in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Remember in 3, 24, 3, the disciples are asking the question, when will the end be? And here is the 
definite, decisive reply. My professor in the seminary, great man of God by the name Dr. George Ladd, some of you, if you're a New Testament student, you might have read his books, often used to tell us, don't buy any books to find out when Jesus is coming. He has told us already. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. The problem is, we don't understand the word nations. Because meaning has changed in English. By the way, when was Bible translated for the first time into English? I'm a teacher. I ask questions. I know you're not my students, but let's pretend you're my students today. Say, to, to get what I'm teaching you today, if you come to the seminary, you have to pay tuition fee. Today it's free. <laughs> Only condition you have to answer my questions. When was the Bible translated into English for the first time? Oh, I thought Paul carried King James Bible. You know, I know a man who actually believes that and spends all his money printing tracts, denouncing all the other translations. I'm not joking. The poor fellow thinks St. Paul carried King James Bible. So he, print, he spends all his money printing tracts, denouncing all the other translations. Don't read any other translation. King James is the only right trans. Well, I'm sorry. Bible was not even, portions were not even translated into English until the 13th century. Hello? 1300 years after the time of Jesus. That's approximately 1200 and some years after. William Tyndale, heard that man? John Huss, heard about him? Wycliffe, heard about him? The Catholic Church wanted to keep everything under wrap. Didn't want anybody to read anything. So, Bible translation was illegal. But these great men, Tyndale and Huss and Wycliffe, you know what happened to them? How many know what happened to these three men for translating Bible into English? How many know what happened to them? Only a few of you. Yeah, you guys need to read a little history. Western history, not my history, Western history. That's your history, right? All three were killed by the Catholic Church for translating the Bible into English. King James, we are celebrating the 400th anniversary of King James this year. Did you know that? Only 400 years. Well, even King James was translated. See, in India I get to preach three hours. You know why? Because our people come walking to church. Some of them walk an hour, two hours to come to church. How many will be in church this morning if you had to walk two hours? And because they walk an hour or two, we preachers, if we preach 20 minutes and sit down, they'll stone us. <laughs> because they want to get their walkings worth, right? I know if I preach three hours, you will stone me, so I won't do that. <laughs> Thank you for laughing at my jokes. <laughs> when Bible was originally translated into English, nations meant what it means in the Bible. But today, nations means what in English? Help me. Countries. That's what it means in English today. We always say our nation of the United States. Country, United Nations in, in, in uh, where is it? In New York. Okay, I want to make sure you are awake. Countries coming to, 
But that's not what the that's not what the Bible means. If you forget everything else I say, I want you to know this this meaning this morning, because this is very crucial. I'm going to say for I'm going to teach you the original word in Greek in the New Testament for the word nations. Are you ready to learn some Greek? Yes. See, the New Testament is written in Koine Greek, common Greek, and the original word which is translated nations here in Matthew 24:14 and all the other passages in the New Testament. Wherever you see the word nations, it's the same word in the Greek. Are you ready to learn? It's the word E T H N A. E T H N A. Athena. Athena is plural. Ethnos is singular. E T H N O S. In Greek, it's you know it's kind of opposite of English. In English, ethnos would have been plural and ethna would have been singular. But in Greek, it's the other way. Ethna is plural. Ethnos is singular. Now all of you know the meaning of that word. Ethna. What does it mean? No, the original meaning. Athena. Come on here. Somebody's yeah, somebody ethnic. The English word ethnic comes from that Greek word. Athena, ethnic group. That's what it means. So Jesus is saying in this gospel of the kingdom must be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all ethnic groups. And then the end will come. Because a lot of us are thinking gospel has covered all the countries and Matthew 24, 14 is fulfilled. Wrong. Wrong. You know how many ethnic groups are there in the world? How many are in here? How many are in here? In my country of India alone, are you ready for this? We have 4,693 ethnic groups. I know for you folks, we all look the same. <laughs> That's okay, we forgive you. Because when we came to this country for the first time, you all look the same to us too. Seriously, 4,693 ethnic groups in India alone. Of which hundreds of ethnic groups still do not have even a single believer. We have 400, over 450 languages. Of which nearly 140 languages do not even have a single scripture translated into it. 2011 I am talking about. The Lord spoke to the church and gave us the great commission to go and make disciples of all ethnic groups, not countries. Listen to me, I'm going to make a statement which is very important. I hope you will really get it. Missions have nothing to do with places. It has everything to do with people. Missions has nothing to do with places. It has everything to do with peoples. It has everything to do with Green Bay. Where there are many ethnic groups coming now. You have gas stations run by ethnic groups now in Green Bay. Coming from countries where they have no freedom to hear the gospel. And many of those ethnic groups have no witnesses. And Jesus says to you speaks to you today 
and says, this gospel of the kingdom must be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the ethnic groups. And then the end will come. I refer to the story of that elderly couple. They come, belong to an ethnic group in India called the Yadav, Y-A-D-A-V. If you're in the habit of writing things down and praying for people groups, pray for the Yadavs. Yadavs are the cowboys of India. Almost 55 million people. Unreached. Just beginning to have a new breakthrough among them through our ministry. And there are hundreds of people groups like that. I hope some of you are at least familiar with a book called Operation World. Anybody familiar with that book? I see one or two hands going up. If you are a seriously praying Christian, you need to get that book. Operation World. It will help you to pray around the world. Take you through unreached people groups around the world. Ethnic groups around the world. Listen, Jesus taught us to pray. He commanded us to pray. He said in Matthew 9, the harvest is plentiful. Laborers are few. And what's the solution? Pray ye therefore, the old King James translation. I hope you're familiar with these scriptures. I'm not taking time to read it. Matthew 9, the last two verses of Matthew 9. The harvest is plentiful. Laborers are few. Pray ye therefore. Listen. You and I have the great privilege of having this gospel. And it is given to us so that we may give. Freely you have received. Freely give. It is not given to us so that we keep it. It is given to us so that we may give it. There are Muslims in your city. Who have never heard the gospel. What are you going to do about it? A very large number of these ethnic groups are Muslim ethnic groups in the world that have no access to the gospel. No access to the gospel. Even if they want to hear the gospel, they have no way of hearing the gospel. And what's the solution? Pray. Jesus said, pray. And Jesus taught us to how to pray in His well-known prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer that we pray once in a while. How many know the Lord's Prayer by heart? Thank you for answering my question helping me, I you know, just want to make sure you're not sleeping. That's why I'm asking these questions. And how, how does that prayer begin? It's a short prayer, isn't it? It's a short prayer. And in that short prayer, what are the, what are the top three priorities? Have you thought about it? You know, we are all stuck on that, give us this day our daily bread. 99% of our prayer is that. Give me this, give me this, give me this. Hello. I'm not talking about life church. I know Pastor Ryan has taught you well. You guys pray differently. I'm talking about the church down the street. <laughs> but a child of God who has understood the heart of Jesus will pray like he prayed. And the first top priorities, three priorities of that prayer is that. Hallowed be thy name. It's his name. And then what? Your kingdom come. Your name, your kingdom, your wealth. How many of us pray that his kingdom come to Green Bay and to the surrounding communities? How many of us pray that his kingdom come to that Muslim family with whom you are now dealing? Maybe in the gas station, maybe in a convenience store. 
I understand a new mosque has been opened in the city. Are you aware of that? How many of you pray for them? That His kingdom come into their midst. That His name be glorified in their midst. That His will be done in their midst. If you couldn't, you couldn't come for the seminar yesterday, I, Pastor Rani and others are going to make available the notes to all of you. I hope you read those notes seriously. Listen, we live in a time in which the church has never faced a situation like this. And the church is awake, need to be awakened. I don't have time to deal with it, so I'm going to go. Jesus said that this gospel of the kingdom must be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all ethnic groups. You know why? Because Jesus died for all ethnic groups. Listen to me. If you are a racist, please don't go to heaven. You won't like it there. Did you hear me? If you look down upon some people because of their color or language or culture, don't go to heaven. Stay out of there. You won't like it there. I'm speaking on authoritative word terms. Turn to me quickly to Revelation chapter 5. Let me show it to you. Revelation 5. Incredible chapter. Wonderful chapter. I love to preach on this chapter all the time. Revelation 5. All, no matter what school of interpretation you follow, all those who interpret the book of Revelation agree. Revelation 5 is a scene in heaven. When history has closed. When everybody is gathered together. Before the throne room of God. All schools of interpretation agree on that. And this is a wonderful chapter to read. To our friends who call themselves Jehovah's Witnesses. Or Mormons. Wonderful chapter. You know what's common between Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons? Both deny the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mormons have this wonderful name. Latter day saints of Jesus Christ. Wonderful name. But do you know they deny the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ? So, same Jehovah's Witnesses. They both teach that Jesus is a created being. That's what they both teach. You ought to know this. But look at Revelation 5. It's worship in heaven. And who is the object of worship in heaven? Who is the object of worship in heaven in the words of Revelation 5? You know your Bible, I hope. It's the lamb that is slain. The lamb that is slain. By the way, one of the cardinal teachings of Islam is that Jesus was not crucified. Did you know that? Your professors, young people, your professors are teaching you in your schools and colleges. All religions are the same. Oh, how, how deceived we are. They all teach you. All religions are. Islam denies the central teaching of G Christianity. Islam denies that Jesus is, is, Islam teaches that Jesus is not the Son of God. Islam teaches that Jesus did not die on the cross. Did you know that? If you didn't know that, get that e notes that are going to be sent to you. Read it carefully and then buy a Quran and read it. No time to go there. Revelation 5, the object of worship is the Lamb that is slain. Who is the Lamb that is slain? Who is the Lamb that is slain? Who is the lamb that is slain? Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of God. 24 elders are falling down before. I'm summarizing Revelation 5 for you. Read it. Please read it. Go home and read it. 
24 elders are falling down before him, casting their crowns before him and worshiping him. Who are the 24 elders? 24 elders is a pictorial representation of the whole church. 12 plus 12 makes 36. You sure? 12 plus 12 makes 24. 12 patriarchs of the Old Testament, 12 apostles of the New Testament, together 24. The whole church, that's what 24 elders mean. They're falling down before him, the lamb that is slain and worshiping him. Revelation 5 is a dagger at the heart of the teaching of Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. Because the object of worship in heaven is the lamb that is slain. It is Jesus and only God can be worshipped. Only God can be worshipped. That's the fundamental teaching of the Bible. And look who is being worshipped in heaven by the 24 elders. If Jesus is not God, he would not be worshipped in heaven. He is the creator God. He is the Jehovah. He is God who became flesh. He is no prophet. He is no just ordinary prophet. He is not an ordinary guru. He is God Almighty who came seeking you, seeking me. It destroys the teachings of Islam. It destroys the teaching of Mormonism. Mormonism and Islam have a lot of common in teaching. Can you believe it? A lot in common in their teaching. Because both come from the same source. And you guess which that source is. Revelation 5. Look, the 24 elders are falling down and singing this song. I love, to, love this song. Verse 9. And they sang a new song. You are worthy. You. Who is that you? Jesus. Singing to Jesus saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you are slain. And with your blood you purchase people for God from every tribe. From every language. Every people. And every ethnos. Every ethnic group. But Holy Spirit wanted to make it so clear. So the Holy Spirit is repeating these different words. Every tribe, every language, every people, and every ethnic group. That's why I said, there's going to be people from every ethnic group in heaven. Because Jesus died for them. Bible alone teaches this great truth. That God loves all people. I don't even have time to refer to Hinduism. That teaches only a select few are loved by God. Called Brahmins. Brahmin males, I don't even have time to go there. Gospel alone teaches this great truth. That every language is loved by God. Islam teaches unless you pray in Arabic, God won't hear you. Because Arabic is the holy language. Not my Bible. My Bible teaches God loves all languages, all people, all tribes, all ethnic groups. And this gospel must be preached to all of them and then the end will come. But even though it is 2,000 years, still... Hundreds of ethnic groups remain without gospel witness. And some of them are coming to this country now. No longer is missions over there. And evangelism here, no longer it is. Missions is now here. I want to challenge some of you to take up the task of reaching some of these groups right here. I know a lady, her name is Mrs. Alma Henderson, she is 93. She lives in Athens, Georgia. You know what she is doing? She is reaching the Chinese graduate students who are coming to do PhD in jo University of Georgia in Athens. I talked to her last night. 
And she told me just this last week, they had a, pic they had a picnic and seven or eight of these graduate students accepted Jesus in, during the picnic. 93 years old, Mrs. Alma Henderson. She understood missions is no longer out there in China and India. Missions is right here in Athens, Georgia. You have schools here in Wisconsin. There are foreign students here. And people are, families are coming here. I challenge you, understand the heart of Jesus. Love these people. Don't be afraid of Muslims. Don't be afraid of Muslims. Befriend them. Make them friends. It's going to take a little effort. It's going to take a little work. By the way, if you're going to go make a friend of a Muslim, don't take your dog with, with you. Do you guys know that? I told her. told her, don't take your... You know why? Because most Muslims don't like dogs. They won't have a pet dog. They don't like them. And don't ever serve them bacon and cheese. You guys know that? That a Muslim will never eat any pork? See, you guys need to learn these things. You need to. No longer is mission something that is to be done in India or China or Africa. It is to be something to be done right here. I'm going to close my words. Jesus said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all, to all ethnic groups. Every time you read that word in the New Testament, substitute it, cross it out, write it in the page. That's what it means. Jesus loves all ethnic groups. He died for all ethnic groups. And it is up to you and I to reach them. Our primary mission field is India. We would appreciate your prayers for India. I didn't have any time to talk to you about what is happening in India. So I showed the video. I hope you take this literature. It's out there. It's printed in India and brought from India. I don't want to take it back to India. So please do take it and read it. Only one condition. Take it only if you read it. And pray for us. We need your prayers. But more than anything else. We need to pray. That God's kingdom will come. To all the remaining ethnic groups of the world. Whether they are here. Or in India. And it is your responsibility. It is my responsibility. Would you close your eyes with me? Would you bow your heads with me? The Lord has spoken to you this morning. Would you tell the Lord. Lord. I will pray. I will pray for your name to be exalted. For your kingdom to come. For your will to be done. Among the remaining ethnic groups of the world. So that Revelation 5.9. Will become a reality soon. Will you make a commitment this morning? To do everything you possibly can. To fulfill the desire of Jesus' heart. He loves all people. He died for all people groups. All ethnic groups. As the church of Jesus Christ. It is our responsibility to share this gospel. Look at the fervor the Mormons have. Look at the fervor the Jehovah's Witnesses have. Look at the fervor the Muslims have. To share their faith. We as are the church. The real church of the Lord Jesus. We as people who know the real truth. We are not doing anything. Will you make a commitment this morning?
to the Lord and say to the Lord, Yes, Lord, I will pray. I will do what I can to reach those who are in our community here and then to reach the communities all across the globe. Will you make such a commitment to the Lord this morning? And if you will, just as a token of your commitment, will you lift your hands to the Lord and say that to the Lord? Thank you. Thank you. Father, I thank you for these dear brothers and sisters. Help us, O oh Lord, to understand the, understand your heart. Your heart is broken for a world that is lost. Your heart is broken for our Muslim neighbors, whether they are here in Wisconsin or in Saudi Arabia. Your heart is broken for people who do not have access to the gospel. Help us, O oh Lord, to understand our responsibility and pray and do all we can to touch a world that is lost. Thank you for Life Church. Thank you for Pastor Ryan, Pastor Rani, and other leadership. I pray a special blessing upon this congregation. As they try, as they are planning to build a new building, I pray that you pour out your heavenly resources so they can build that building and move to that place in order that more people will hear the gospel. Thank you for speaking to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.